What up, LifePoint? How y'all doing today? Come on now. Fourth service. We're excited. Joining us online or first time in the room, we're so glad to be one church together again. And always want to say welcome to our guests. My name is Mike. I get to serve as lead pastor of our church, and it is a privilege to be with all of you. And for some of you back together again, and we open up this fourth service schedule, fourth service schedule again to make room for folks that are coming back, and we're seeing that a lot. I do want to say to all of you joining us online or if this is your first time and you'd like to connect with us, if you would simply text the letters LPC to that number 31996 and we'll follow up with some next steps for you or in the room, uh, you can fill out the connection card in the seat back in front of you. That'd be your gift to us. All right. Uh, hey, ladies and flourish. What a great time Friday night. Right, ladies? Come on. How great was that? Man, we had a full room at our Rossview campus and we had over 50 locations watching and tuning in around the country and even places internationally. And so to all the ladies, uh, we just had such a great time. Thank you for coming and supporting. And to Stephanie and Melanie and Laura, you did a great job leading this event. And I want to encourage all of you, like Pastor Mark said, get into a small group. We do these conferences for small groups. They're not just to have conferences. They are catalyzing into small groups. Hey, I want to thank you uh, for your generosity, whether you give online or through the app or in, ma- in the mail. You're an amazing church when it comes to generosity. Giving is an interesting reaction to adversity, actually. In the past 15 months, we've all been through a lot as a country, as a, as a world, honestly. And uh, many people were afraid that it's time to stock up or lock down or kind of batten down the hatches and wait for the end of the world to come or whatever. But God's people have a different way of leaning in and being a blessing even in times of difficulty and times of pressure. In the book of 2 Corinthians The Apostle Paul mentioned how in a time of great affliction or pressure that the Christians in Macedonia actually gave more and begged the Apostle for more opportunities to give and to do things for others. And I think that's an interesting way to view the last year. Like I, a year and a half, it's been really an honor as your pastor to see the church lean in and, and give more than you've ever given, serve more than you've ever served, more groups than ever. In the middle of a pandemic, we relaunched our church as a church of small groups. And we went from about 200 to over 500 small groups. During a time when everybody's trying to stay away from each other, we started more and more small groups. But it's a decision for you. And I want to tell you as, you, as you give, just decide in your heart how you're going to do it. Everybody's already decided, right? You know that, right? Everyone's decided one way or the other. And uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it in that same passage after the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 9. This is in the message translation, which is more of a paraphrase and more of like a Uh, I I call it like an everyday person's English, right? He says, I want each one of you to take plenty of time to think it over, referring to how you give and how generous you want to be, and then make up your own mind what you will give. We say at LifePoint, like, we want to give in a way that pleases God and that's obedient to the Lord. So, like, we've decided we're a tithing church, and some of you need to make that decision, or, or maybe you're ready to become a giving beyond your tithe kind of person. But take the time to think it over. Pray about it. Talk to God. Talk to your family. And then make up your mind what you will give. Then he said, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. Have you ever been to church and felt arm twisted or manipulated? <laughs> you ever been on a, at 1 a.m. watching an infomercial and felt arm twisted or manipulated? I didn't know I needed those knives, yeah. right? <laughs> and then they manipulate you by sawing a hammer apart and then a tomato. <laughs> and they go, it's $49.99. And then they slash the price and they go, but wait, now it's $29.99. And they go, but wait, there's more. <laughs> That's arm twisting and manipulation is what that is. And I promise as your pastor to never do that. We'll never have photos of kids in the kid point running out of Cheez-Its, you know, in slow motion, sad faces. We need your money. We will never manipulate you. But I want to challenge you to decide how you're going to be generous. Like he says here, take the time, think it over, pray about it, and decide. And here's why. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. And so that's, that's our heart as a church. We love to give. We love to be generous. And I'm thankful that you are doing that as well. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We are continuing in our series in the book of Acts. And I prefer preaching through whole books of the Bible for a number of reasons. So we have started the book of Acts on Easter Sunday. Was that six weeks ago? And uh, the first Sunday of April. So we're six or seven weeks into this series. And, and, and I love preaching whole books of the Bible. And particularly, I've been very excited about preaching the book of Acts. I've prayed about it for a couple of years. The reason I waited for a while is, number one, I, I really wanted the timing of the Lord and to feel a sense of the Holy Spirit. Uh, also, it's a very long book. It's over 20 chapters. So we're going to be in this for a long time. We're seven weeks in and we're on chapter two. So we're going to be in this for a while. So saddle up. But honestly, I wanted to preach through the book of Acts because we're kind of in a building season or a rebuilding of our church season uh, coming out of the year of COVID. We've closed two of our campuses that were meeting in schools because of COVID. And, and we're starting to see people coming back in person 
and many folks have chosen to make their online experience their main church experience, which by the way, if you're watching anywhere in the country or around the world, tell us where you're watching from. I love seeing where around the world we're watching. I do want to say if you're watching from your screen in Clarksville, we've opened a fourth service to make room for you. And so, listen, if you're in town, we'd love to see you in the room. Can everyone who showed up say amen? amen. Yeah, that's what, I'm just throwing that out there judgmentally. Okay. The book of Acts is all about the beginning of the church years. The book of Acts is about the building of the church, the establishment of Christianity in the world. I think you should read along and read ahead in the book of Acts. Stay in the book of Acts with me for these uh, coming months and see what it means to be a Christian, to share the word of God, to, to be devoted to life together in small groups and to be devoted in generosity. Uh, I have an announcement for you, by the way, and, and it'll actually show up in the book of Acts today. But we, uh, I'm excited to tell you, many of our team members, we, we have a grow intentionally kind of culture on our staff. So we always want our staff growing, learning, reading, getting better. And um, <clears throat> I'm trying to model that as well by continuing my education, et cetera. And five of our staff members who were serving in director or ministry roles uh, this last couple of weeks have actually been ordained as pastors in our church. And so we just want to celebrate that as the family together. Uh, one of them you know fondly on the left, uh, Randy Pearson and his wife, they oversee all of the care at our church. And uh, Militia has been ordained as one of our pastors as well. And Randy is now ordained as one of our pastors. So we're excited for that. He's been a licensed pastor for a long time. And he, he took the plunge and he went for it. And now he's ordained with us. And so anyway, we're so grateful for, for them. Uh, Alicia Flowers, who oversees all the next steps. So like the hospitality, front of house stuff, next steps, growth track, our dream team. She has been ordained as one of our pastors on the team as well. And Kendra Childs-Jones, who serves on the care team, has been ordained as one of our pastors. Uh, Willie Simpson who has been, he's our small groups director, is now our small groups pastor as he was ordained as one of our pastors. And Jeray, who, who we call Muscles McSqueezy. No one calls him that. But <laughs> Jeray is our, I don't know why I said it. Jeray is our student pastor and he is now an, our, our ordained student pastor. And so our team is just getting better and continuing to grow and develop. And so we praise God for that. Come on, everybody, celebrate that. Now, we're going we're gonna to see in a moment why that's a big deal for us. But listen, today we're picking up with Peter's big sermon after the day of Pentecost. And if you remember, let me get, get you caught up a little bit. In chapter 1, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem till the promise of the Father comes, which is the Holy Spirit, to come and live in us and dwell in us and dwell among us. He said, John baptized you in water, but you're going to be baptized by God himself into the family of God, by the Holy Spirit. So he said, stay there. And then in chapter 2, the promise of the Father has come to be fulfilled. And we preached that last Sunday on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. God had promised the Spirit would come dwell in us, that he would empower us and equip us to be a witness of the gospel. Then it happened. Man, what a great day to be in that room, right, everybody? The Bible says they were all together, 120 of them, in an upper room, and there was a sound like a rushing wind from heaven. There were divided tongues or flames of fire that appeared and rested on each of them, all 120 of them, and they were all, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is their baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is their salvation. This is their life in the Spirit. And then this is the promise of God fulfilled. It was the time of Pentecost. So now Pentecost was a, a label given to a festival. Pentecost never meant gifts until about 120 years ago when a bunch of Christians decided to rip that label off and brand themselves as Pentecostals. But Pentecost was a harvest festival that they celebrated as Jewish people every year, the time of harvest. We celebrate harvest every fall time, right? So, so this is a season of the calendar where Jewish people celebrated the harvest and they came, tens of thousands of devout Jews came and pilgrimaged up to Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest and to give gifts to God and to worship the Lord. And it was at that time of harvest of Pentecost when God's spirit came and poured out on the new Christians and it says the disciples were filled with the Spirit, and for the first time ever, they began to speak in other tongues, is what your Bible says, or other languages specifically. Even more specifically, these were languages they never studied, but were the languages of the people in the crowd. So they were able to speak the foreign language of people who were coming up to them and hearing this, and specifically, they were proclaiming the mighty works of God. So now all of a sudden, these Galileans are able to speak Asian languages, African languages, whatever God gave them, so that they can declare the mighty works of God to this crowd of tens of thousands of Jews who had come up for a time of harvest, not realizing that God is actually harvesting them, not just their wheat and barley. Come on, somebody. Okay, so that gets you caught up to last week. And then we had this really interesting text for the end of the sermon last week, and I kind of left it as a cliffhanger on purpose, knowing that we'd get here 
today. And I think it's a, a, a text that sets up really well for how uh, spiritual people should speak. And this is something that I want us to look at as we think about the world we're living in today. So this is the title of the sermon, but let's go to the next passage, right? So the spirit has, fall, has come and they're all speaking in other tongues and they're declaring the mighty works of God. And where we landed last week, we saw that people from all these different nations are there and they're hearing those 120 disciples telling them in their own languages the mighty works of God. And it says in verse 12, and everyone there, all of the people were amazed and perplexed. It's like they're going, this is amazing or this is crazy. It's like this is phenomenal or this is chaotic. They were amazed, they were perplexed, and they were saying to one another this question, what does this mean? But others even mocked this thing by saying, well, they're all just filled with new wine. Y'all know what this means, like the good wine. You know what I'm saying? This ain't no Boone's Farm. <laughs> Friday night high school wine. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like, they said they're drunk on the good stuff. And so that's where we ended last week. That's where we're going to pick up today. And honestly, this is a setup for what happens next. We're going to see the apostle Peter which anybody, I mean, we, we did a whole series on the life of Peter. And I, I pick on Peter a lot because Peter's one of those guys, always joked that Peter had foot and mouth syndrome. He always kept his foot in his mouth, right? Like he was a fisherman. He was kind of a simple guy and Jesus called him for some reason. And a lot of, like he was 50-50. A lot of times when he would say stuff, he just said dumb stuff, right? Like he would, he, he was the friend that when he'd start talking, people would be like, no, no, Peter, no, no. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. Just watch, you know? And, and I, I think Jesus' prayer life was pretty regimented, and I think it consisted of God empower me to preach to these people, empower me to live another day, and God, why'd you give me Peter? Like, I just, I think that was in Jesus' prayer life consistently. I can't prove it, but I think it was. But this now, Peter would give an amazing response to this verse. They're amazed, they're perplexed, they're going, what does this mean? And some were mocking, which, let me just say, you may not understand what God's doing, but please don't take it upon yourself to mock what you don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God works in some people some ways and other people's other ways. And, and, and God may be doing something in, in somebody that you go, I'm not sure what that is. I don't understand it. But just leave it there. Don't become a mocker. Don't become someone who criticizes what you don't know or understand that God's doing. Can I hear an amen, everybody? But to me, these two verses remind me of the last year and a half we've been living through. Now, let me just say, I'm not mad about 2020. I'm tired of complaining about it, too. But I am reflective. And as a leader, I think, like, that's just another cycle of chaos that we'll live through another one. Any of you that have been around a long time, you've just seen, like, we live in a pattern of hard things, right? And so 2020, we just had, like, a bunch of hard things. But give it time, hard stuff will come again. And I think this passage reminds me of kind of how it's been the last 15 months, the things God's allowed and brought us through. I'm really excited about the future. But just as we reflect on that, all of us have had some mixed reactions to the past year and a half. We've been amazed at some things, good and bad, like that's amazing or that is amazing, right? Or we've been perplexed about some things, like we're, we're unsure, what does this mean and what are the CDC saying and what does this mean politically and what's happening with the, the, the race conversation in our country? Another way they would ask questions like, what does this mean? I think it's like saying, what in the world is going on around here? Has anybody else asked that in the last 12 to 15 months? And then of course there's been, so much mocking and criticism and negativity. In fact, I don't remember a time in my life where I feel like so many people are so angry, toxic, negative. I'll be honest, I had to unfollow like 4,000 people on my social media because it was bad for me. And, and I, you know, I didn't tell them. I didn't send a letter. You know, like, <laughs> this is to serve you notice. I am no longer a faithful follower of your stupid fake life that you've put out on social media. It just was toxic. And I mean, you, you, the harassment, you couldn't say anything or you couldn't say nothing. It, it, you know, you, could, you couldn't say something, you couldn't say nothing, you couldn't say it fast enough, you couldn't say it late enough. I mean, it was just crazy. And it was so negative and toxic. And honestly, it's going to come again. Hello, we elect the president in three years. Every four years, I hate being your pastor. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't hate being your pastor, just some of you. But which side? You don't know, do you? No, I'm just, I don't ever hate being your pastor. Just let me be your pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me do it. But I feel like this passage reflects our past two years. Well, Peter, 
the best friend of Jesus, in response to chaos and negative rhetoric, he was the one who knew Jesus the best. He was the closest friend to Jesus. He was part of the 120. Like he's in the room with all the other disciples, Mary, Jesus' mother, the other women that attended to Jesus, and they're all filled with the Spirit and they're speaking in tongues. And, and rather than like jump back into his own little holy huddle and shut the doors of their church service, he actually does something that I think we need to learn how to do. So as we look at the rest of this text, I want you to follow the steps that Peter shows us as a spiritual leader. He speaks up in a time of great chaos. He models how to speak and what to speak about. And then he has an incredible invitation at the end. So watch this. First thing you need to understand is spiritual people speak up. This is what Peter models for us. Let me just tell all of you, uh, how many of you say you're a religious person? Okay. I want to encourage you to drop that label. Because religion is like a it's, a, it's a set of religious or ritualistic practices to try to get you to God. I want you to carry the label, I'm a spiritual person or I'm a spirit-filled person. And I'm not talking spirits like the wine and spirits or the peyote dust or the like smoke from your fire pit spirits. I'm talking the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, spirit. So we're spiritual people of the Holy Spirit, spiritual people. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And that's what I'm talking to today. Spiritual people, Holy Spirit, spiritual people need to speak up. So right after this, they're amazed, they're perplexed, they're curious, questioning what the heck's happening, and then they're mocking. It says that Peter, standing with the 11, lifted his voice. I just think that's, I mean, it's so practical. It's easy to read past this verse and not even pay attention to it. But he took time to stop what he was doing, to stand up and go, hey, 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 listen up. Listen, look at what he actually said. He lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea, which, of course, in the agrarian culture in the first century, this is a male-dominated society and the men are leaders and all that kind of stuff. But he says, men of Judea and everybody else in Jerusalem, men, women, children, servants, everybody, listen to me right now. This is not just for the leaders or the men. Listen, everybody who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. In other words, listen to what I'm saying. Understand this and look and give ear to my words. Now, notice there's 120 people given all kinds of words in tongues. And he goes, don't listen to them, listen to me. And then there's these critics over here going, what in the world's happening? This is amazing, this is perplexing. They're drunk, they're chaotic. And he's going, everybody, listen to me. There's something about spiritual people deciding to say something. And I love that Peter took charge of the moment. Peter, foot and mouth Peter. Peter, who said the dumbest things. Peter, he, who literally walking on water looks away from Jesus going, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And it's like, Peter's the guy that up until this moment, you're like, that guy should never talk. But now filled with the spirit, Peter becomes this great prophet of God. Like Joel, like Micah, like Nahum, like, like Isaiah. Peter steps up and says something. Can I just challenge you, church? In the year that we've lived through, and in the years that are coming, the church of Jesus Christ has been eerily silent. Or we've been speaking up in the wrong camps. But I want to challenge you as we start this by realizing something. We got to be willing to say something. And I love that he does this first thing. He goes, look, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose because it's only the third hour of the day. And I feel like the tone of this is Peter going... They're not drunk. It's 9 a.m., people. I mean, I understand rowdy parties, you know what I'm saying? But 9 a.m. drunk, that's a problem. If you ever go to a church service with 120 drunk people, go to another church. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, that'd be the best church experience of my life. No, I wouldn't, I promise. He's like, that is, that is crazy that this is your accusation. And he literally just kind of blows it off. He corrects them but doesn't dwell there. Sometimes we speak up by getting so entrenched in defending wrong news. We get so obsessed with correcting just deceptions and lies and gossip. Don't worry about that. Hey, you know what? This is not what's happening. Let's move on. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? He says, before I tell you what this is, let me show you what it's not. They're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. Come on, get, get with it. It's a valuable lesson for us. Peter didn't let the rumor mill get going. He didn't let the gossip run the meeting. I love his approach. This spiritual man just stands up. And listen, Peter was not like Pastor Peter yet. Peter didn't have a church congregation. Peter, 42 days ago, denied Jesus. And said, I've never seen him before. I don't know that guy. But now with the Holy Spirit in him, he goes, no, 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 this is not that. It's this. 
He's going to take us there in a moment, but listen, I love his approach. He shot down the drama with truth. He didn't get brought into the drama. He goes, are you kidding me? They're not drunk. Do you know this guy? They're not drink. They only drank a little bit. You're, he's not defending their lies. He says, it's not that. And I got to be honest, I think we need more of this in the church. Now, I'm going to tell you what to say in a moment, <clears throat> but it may surprise you. I think we need more of this in the church. Over the past 24 months, but even, like, we can't relive the past, but we can certainly be prepared for the future. There's been so much confusion and chaos and questions and negative press and lies and drama and echo chambers and conspiracy theories, and the church has been quiet. Now, I'm not one to jump into the political fray or get down the rabbit hole of the YouTube conspiracy theorists. I have plenty of correct opinions, but I do believe, I do think we should care about what's happening more than the issues that, ha that are happening, the people that the issues are happening to. We need to look at the realities we're facing and then speak up with truth. Say something. Listen, we should say something about those who are hurting and stop demonizing people who are trying to say something about it. Like, like for example, we should speak up and say, I grieve with you. I hurt with you. I mourn with you. The Bible actually says, Grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn and are scared and confused. Carry one another's burdens. Don't carry their offense, but carry one another's burdens. We should speak up about justice matters. Speak up about the pain of COVID. Listen, I don't want to politicize COVID when I'm standing at the end of a casket at a COVID victim's funeral. There ain't no politicizing that. There's grieving with a spouse and praying with a family and speaking up and going, this world is not all there is. Last year, we had planned a series to talk about race in America and how far we've come and how far we need to go. And it was on the, on the heels of a couple deaths of young black folks, Ahmaud Arbery, Tatiana Jefferson, and others. And we had planned a series, and we, we did our first sermon on, in that series with Pastor Wayne. And Monday, the very next day, George Floyd was killed. And all of a sudden, we're right in the middle of the conversation already. George Floyd was killed that week. Our country went into chaos. And I got calls, texts, people asking, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? I said, we're already saying stuff. This is, we, we serve a God who heals racial wounds. We serve a God who sets racists free and who heals the oppressed. And listen, and we're going to weep with those who are weeping right now. We're going to mourn with those who mourn. And I hate this for my black brothers and sisters around this country. And I'm sorry. And I had middle-class white men tell me to keep my mouth shut. Are you kidding me? We got black folks in our church. We got black folks in our city. I'm from New Orleans. I was the only white kid in the apartments I grew up in. <laughs> but the Bible says we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, and that's wrong. You know who I felt bad for when, when Ahmaud Arbery was killed? He was born on Mother's Day, and he was killed right before Mother's Day. That's who I grieved about. I'm not going to politicize this. Well, let's wait until the facts come out. Are you kidding? The fact is he's dead and his mama's sad, and I care about that. So we have to be willing to speak up and say, I'm sorry. You matter here. You matter to me. You matter to us. We need to speak up about matters of justice. We need to speak up about confusion, about politics. Man, I had so many, I had people on staff going, we want to know how you voted. I said, I voted for Kanye. What are you talking about? <laughs> Is there any doubt? Who cares who I voted for? Because this kingdom will fail. This kingdom will perish. I tell you who never got unelected is Jesus. I tell you who never died of, got died of COVID was Jesus. I tell you who still is a healer, it's Jesus. That's who I stand with politically. Are you kidding me? Every four years that we repeat the same cycle, and every four years Christians think, well, if this guy gets elected or if this lady gets elected, it'll change the world. Nope. 2,000 years of dem democratic process has gotten us here. You think the next election is going to fix all that? Jesus leads a kingdom that's not of this world. And we need to speak up about that. Do your due diligence, vote, all that stuff. But talk about Jesus, the confusion related to gender issues. We're so scared to talk about anything because we're afraid of being canceled. Church, listen, you alone bear the message of hope for this world. Paul says in Ephesians, I think, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known, not through the politics, not through... The, not through the colleges and universities, not even, not even through the CDC, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. We need to speak up and say something. I'm going to tell you what to say in a minute. Hang on, because some of y'all are like, sweet, he's giving us marching orders to go pick a fight. No, I'm not. We got confusion related to gender issues and marriage. I didn't write the Bible. 
God wrote it. God gave it to us, and we're going to speak about that. The pressure of the police are under. It is like, you remember when you were a kid, cops were heroes? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a cop or a fireman or a doctor or a lawyer. Now cops are seen as just pariah. I mean, it's a horrible. I pray for cops. Man, I thank cops. I buy cops meals when I see them out. I don't even tell them. I just buy their food. Say, thank you for what you do, man. It's a stressful day to be a cop. We got to stop demonizing cops and demonize demons and know who our enemy is. We got to speak up about the stress of single parenting, fatherless kids, hopelessness without the gospel. Speak up and say something. Don't speak drama or inflammatory things. Let me help you with this. Speak about the gospel. Call out truth, not opinion. Speak facts, not feelings. Here's one of the things you should stop saying. Well, I think, I don't care what you think. I do because you're my friend, but honestly, I don't care. What's true? Well, my experience is probably broken. I'm just being, that wasn't meant to be a jab. It's true. Man, my experience, I, I got tons of brokenness behind me. And I'm thankful for the truth of God's word that is even correcting that stuff in my life. So I, I just think it's interesting that the first thing Peter did was speak up about it. He goes, it's not what you think it is. They're not drunk. It's 9 a.m., guys. Come on, give me a break. He just shut that whole thing down. And then he says, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to hear my words. They, they're not drunk. And then spiritual people, here's what you're going to talk about. You ready? I just get, I'm trying to train you and prepare you for the next season of crazy in our world. Spiritual people speak the truth of God's word. Amen. Now watch what Peter says here. It's not them being drunk. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not that. Here's what he says. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. All of a sudden, Peter digs deep into his spirit and pulls out a very old and obscure prophetic text from the book of Joel, chapter 2, starting in verse 28. He says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Here it is. And in the last days it shall be. Peter, first summoner of the New Testament, says we're in the last days. People have been asking that question this last year. Are we in the end times? Are we in the last days? And the answer is yes. Ever since the day of Pentecost, we've been in the last days. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? First sermon of the Christian church. In the last days, God said, look at this. It shall be, God declares, that I, God, will pour out my spirit on who? All flesh. You got to see what Peter did here. This was an amazing phenomenon. The spirit of the living God was moving in Jerusalem, sound like a rushing wind, tongues of fire, flames of fire, falling on the head, speaking in all these languages. And they're questioning, and he goes, no, 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 it's not they're drunk. It's not chaotic or confusing. Here's what it is. God said this was going to happen. Way back, hundreds of years ago, in the book of Joel, God spoke through Joel and said, I'm, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So here it is happening. And, and Peter doesn't go, oh, man, this is so confusing. I'm sorry. Let me go prep a sermon for you. No, he goes, I'm going to share the word of God for you and help make sense of what's going on here. They're going to speak in tongues. They're going to have new languages and speak the wonders of God. And as soon as people criticized what they didn't understand, Peter directed them to clarity from the word of God. Peter didn't give his opinion. Peter didn't go, well, let me help explain this in a way that makes sense to you so that it doesn't offend you. And then I make sure that everybody walks away from here happy. He goes, no, this is what God said is going to happen. And let me tell you what God's word says about this thing. Can I tell you, this is amazing. He didn't try to explain it in his own reasoning or try to defend what was happening or make excuses for what God was doing. Peter didn't, like, Google the way to respond to this. He pointed people to the scripture, and that immediately brought clarity and wisdom to the folks that are standing there. This is what God is doing, he said. He said he would do this. He prophesied through Joel, and you guys need to know that this is a move of God. Can I just tell you how much I would love to see the church of Jesus Christ so filled with the word of God? that we would bring peace in the middle of chaos, that we would bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. I truly believe, listen to me, I truly believe the Bible is alive and powerful and still speaks to us. I believe the Bible will challenge people and change people to trust God, to believe God, to put their hope in God. In the last year, I've watched folks over and over again lose sight of the word of God and we've stopped reflecting on scripture and we've taken on too many other voices and noise from other things. We've gotten filled up with conspiracy theories and national news and our political leaders and rhetoric, social media spin-ups, and none of that noise has settled us, healed us, or brought us hope. A.W. Tozer writes, a scared world needs a fearless church. 
And I believe the way the church of Jesus Christ becomes fearless again is we start walking with the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And it starts by spending more time in the word of God. I think part of being fearless is being so full of the word of God that we can't be shaken. That rather than say, well, I think, or I believe, or I think, or I hope, we start going, the Bible says. Now you go, the Bible doesn't say anything about COVID or should I get a vaccine or wear a mask or not. But the Bible does say that, this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he was a healer then, and I believe he's a healer now. The Bible does say that to be absent from this body is to be present with God. So whether I live in this flesh, get COVID and die, I'm going to live for God or I'm going to be with God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Lord is my rock and my salvation. I'm afraid of a civil war. Russia's going to attack us. Oh, my goodness. We should get a bunker and put a bunch of rice in our safe house. But the scripture says the Lord is my rock and my foundation. Of whom shall I fear? I'm not afraid of Russia. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid to go meet God face to face and be like, whoo, that place was terrible. Good to see you. Where's my mansion? You know, like, come on, let me move in. I'm not afraid to die for Jesus. I'm not. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Well, you know, what do you think about what old Trump said? What do you think about what Biden said? Did you see the new video circulating Google? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in Washington, he that's in Wall Street, he that's in Clarksville, he that's at Austin P. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the CDC. I don't care about none of that. I serve the risen Savior. I live with the fullness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit who dwells in me, and I can overcome sin, temptation, fear, doubt, and disbelief because the Bible says that God himself lives on the inside of me. The Bible says I have power to tread upon all the power of the devil. We got to realize who our real enemy is, by the way. We keep demonizing cops or demonizing politicians. We need to demonize the devil. And realize that the people that we're fighting are actually being used of the devil and our real enemy is Satan, not him or her. And listen, take this home. Look your spouse in the face next time you can't stop fighting and go, you are not my enemy. The devil is trying to drive a wedge between our family, and I stand on authority over him, and I rebuke the devil off my marriage in Jesus' name. Stop looking at your kids like a bunch of belligerent knuckleheads who refuse to submit to you and say, the Bible says that my house shall be a house of prayer, and that this place, we will serve the Lord together. Look at your kids and say, you know what? The Bible says not to be a parent who leads my kids to wrath, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've said things with a sharp tongue. And I've wounded and offended you, son or daughter, because the Bible says. Well, I grew up in a house where the dad was just strong-armed and he just got away with what he wanted. But God's word says to be gentle and loving and kind. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Like, how do we fight chaos? Peter goes, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's nine in the morning. But here's what God's word says about what's happening. I just think, as a principle from this text, we need to be willing to let the word of God speak into every situation of our lives. And listen, if you can't find a verse about COVID or who to vote for in the 2020 election, get the spirit of the word in you. Get the ethic of the scriptures in you. Listen, the world says cancel those who disagree with you and find an enemy politically or racially, but the Bible says I can love my enemies. I can bless those who curse me. I can actually pray for those who hurt me. The Bible says, blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. You want the blessing on this nation? Pray that people get saved. Quit praying that we get a bigger army. Pray that people join God's army. Come on, somebody. The Bible says if God's people will pray, not post, then he will heal our land. Well, if I could just win this Facebook fight. You're not going to win it. You don't have a spiritual gift of Facebook fight winning. The Bible says there's no difference between black and white, Asian, Hispanic, male, female, rich or poor. In Christ, we're all one. We are all brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord. I don't care if you're rich or poor, black or white, female, male. It doesn't matter. Sinner or saint. Because if Christ is alive in you and the spirit of God's on the inside of you, you are equally saved and a child of the living God. How in the world have we become people who hate others in the body of Christ. That don't make any sense to me. And we, if we won't love one another, how in the world are we going to model loving people far from God? Peter stood up and he goes, listen to my words. And then his words were God's words. And he said, the Bible says. Look what he goes on to say. 
He said, the prophet God, uh, Joel says, uh, in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. This is preaching and speak the word of God. By the way, never before did they elevate women to the opportunity to preach and prophesy. Well, well. In the last days, God says, yeah, I'm going to use women too. I'm going to ordain and anoint and empower women. By the way, some of y'all had a problem with the fact that we ordained women as pastors in this church. You didn't have a problem with that with me. You got a problem with the word of God here. Because God said in my last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Men and women will preach and prophesy. Young men, not just the seasoned old white hairs who have all the sage wisdom in the world, but your young men will dream, see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Some of you guys time yourself out and you retire from serving God, but I'm telling you something. If you got life in your body, you've got visions from the Lord and you've got things to do for God because the spirit of God's on the inside of you. He goes on to quote this. And all my male servants and even all my female servants, if you take the class system, you've got the, the business owners and the landowners, and then you've got their family and their spouses and their kids, and then you've got their slaves and servants, and the lowest group of them is the female servants. And he goes, and even on the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Here's what God's doing. He's saying, no longer do I have these religious caste systems. I got my people and my kingdom, and this is what I'm doing. And I'm telling you, man, our world needs the church to speak up about the kingdom of God because we keep fighting in the kingdom of, of the earth and the kingdom of Babylon. And I'm telling you, no matter what side you take down here, black side, white side, left side, right side, rich side, poor side, these sides are all broken. There's the kingdom of God's side. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. This is an insight into the passage you may not realize. Peter did not make this all up on the spot. He didn't make up a sermon and go, hey, go put that into Joel somewhere. Go edit the Bible, you know, and get it in there. He didn't make this up on the spot. He didn't misquote a, a tweet he read on Twitter. He didn't Twitter. He didn't Google. <laughs> he didn't Google what to say when people think the Holy Ghost is crazy. He didn't call Jesus down from heaven to give me a word, Lord. And Jesus didn't leave him a sermon to preach. He didn't go, okay, guys, look, I'm gone now. And by the way, Peter, here's your first sermon. You're going to need that in about 10 days. Memorize it, quote it up. No, no, no. Peter, word for word, quoted Joel 2, 28 to 32. He did not miss a single word. He absolutely quoted it perfectly from beginning to end. How did he do that? Did he pull out his leather-bound Bible? No, because these weren't in existence yet. Peter who we think had foot and mouth syndrome, who was unwise and always saying dumb stuff, was also secretly reading the word of God all the time, meditating on the scripture. All throughout the ministry with Jesus, he was listening to Jesus quote the Bible and he'd go back and study and be like, oh man, I gotta learn Joel. I gotta learn Micah. I gotta learn Daniel, Hosea, Ezekiel. I gotta learn these words because one day I'm gonna need them. He knew the word. He studied the word. He read the word. He had it ready on the inside of him because he spent time putting it on the inside of him. He didn't just pull out Jesus' black book of sermons. Peter spoke God's word because God's word was inside of Peter. He was ready to say what God had put on the inside of him because he had taken time to put that on the inside of him. Can I tell you one of the reasons we don't know what to say is because we don't know what to say. There is no substitute for you knowing God's word. There's no substitute for you spending time in God's word. And listen, you will never learn God's word unless you learn God's word. You can't sleep on your pillow with your Bible under it and pick it up by osmosis. And listen, if all the Bible you get is when I preach it to you, you are deeply malnourished to live in the world we live in today. There's no substitute for time in God's word. Pastor friend of mine, Pastor Eddie Turner says, I want to encourage you to memorize a verse of scripture every week. He said, you may not need it this week. You may not need it next week. I, I mean, I wonder when Peter studied Joel. Probably years earlier. He had studied Joel and learned it. And in this moment, for some reason, God called that thing to his remembrance. Because when he needed it, he had it on the inside of him. But he wouldn't have had it if he hadn't learned it. It's like loading bullets in a magazine. By the way, if anybody owned guns around here in Clarksville and Armytown, I recently purchased a, a 45 pistol. I, just, I like shooting guns. My wife and I both do. She's a better shot than me, actually. And I got four daughters, so I have every reason in the world to have a lot of guns. <laughs> but I bought a 45 pistol, and 
And, um, you know, I, I believe in protecting your family and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to get in an argument about it unless you're buying lunch. <laughs> but I, I have this weapon and, and I keep it, the magazines loaded, right? And, you know, I got to put 45 caliber rounds in the magazine. And the round holds like 15 rounds. The magazine holds like 15 rounds. And the reality is, I hope to God I never need that. Right? I hope to God I never need that except for target practice or cat practice. But the, the, the truth is, you keep the magazine loaded. Listen, you keep the magazine loaded in the event you need it. And that's why we keep depositing the word in our spirit. This is why we keep reading a chapter a day, a verse a day, a book a month in the Bible. Because you never know when you'll need to discharge that word. You come home from work one day and your family's falling apart. You need to discharge the word of God instead of the opinions of Maury Povich. You start discharging the word of God when you come to work and your boss asks you to lie on a report to save her skin. And you go, I can't do that because the Bible says that it's an abomination. Untrue scales are an abomination. I can't lie for you. You need to have the word on the inside of you if you're going to be able to discharge the word of God out of you. And you know what's interesting? I have this 45 caliber magazine, and it only carries 45 caliber rounds. But I own 9 millimeter rounds and 22 rounds. None of those rounds fit. They will do damage, but not out of this weapon. I even own 270 rounds, which is my deer hunting rifle. It's a, it's a round about this long, and it shoots flat and long time. And I love the 270 round for deer hunting because it's an it's a accurate and quick kill. But I can't work, in, I can't, there's nothing I can do to jam that round into a 45 caliber magazine and it be effective through that weapon. Many of us are loading the magazine of our soul with Fox News and CNN and Drudge Report and Instagram and Facebook and the opinions of our mama and the opinions of our dad and all these other types of ammunition. And then when the pressure comes, we start spitting out the wrong rounds instead of spitting out the word of God. Can I ask you as a church to be like Peter, to get the word of God? David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Can I ask you to get the word of God on the inside of you? Let it transform you. Let it change you. Let it take up root on the inside of you and make you the person ready for when the time of chaos comes. When you get to your house today, anybody ever get home on a Sunday and go, we left the Holy Ghost in the parking lot at LifePoint Church? <laughs> anybody struggle with that besides Stephanie? Look, I get home on Sundays, I am so tired. I will walk in the house, eat something, and crash. My kids know, don't come in my room, don't nothing. But I, I have to sleep if I'm going to stay kind. <laughs> After preaching four services, it's, it's the truth. But I have to remind myself that I'm a spirit-filled man with my kids. I don't get the excuse if I'm tired. My kids need daddy. And they get to lay on me and lounge on me, and we watch AFV on Sunday nights, and we have a great time. Anybody else struggle, though, when you get home, it's all of a sudden the chaos hits the fan. And, but we got to have the word ready that says, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news and who walk feet prepared with the gospel of the preparation of peace. And I'm going to be a man of peace and a woman of peace and people of peace. I'm telling you, it's going to happen today. It's not just COVID and racism and uh, gender confusion in our world. It's every situation is the word ready on the inside of you. And here's what he said. I'll pour out my spirit. Every, it's for all people. He goes on to give some caveats about what was happening. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens above. And look at this. I will show signs on the earth below. Hey, guys, listen. I think our world needs to see some wonderful signs again. I absolutely believe that. But you can't offer signs and wonders if you're not walking with God. Get close to God. Stay in the word. And then he starts talking about some really strange signs and wonders. Blood and fire. <laughs> Vapor of smoke. He's talking about things that have been happening, the crucifixion of Jesus where he bled and fire and the vapor of smoke, the sun turns to darkness, which happened on the day of the crucifixion of Jesus. He's saying all these things you guys are seeing are things God has been saying was going to happen. But spiritual people, we speak up, but we speak up about the truth of the gospel. And then we point people to Jesus. Here's the deal. Don't start getting vocal and loud and trying to get people to win over to your side. I want you to introduce people to Jesus. Watch what Peter does. He's, in, he's, he's quoting Joel 2, like old school prophecy in the Old Covenant, Old Testament. But this is a Christological prophecy. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Watch this. He says, your, your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Male servants, female servants, 
signs and wonders and miracles. The blood shall be turned to darkness, moon to blood. The, the, yeah, you, you read it. And then in verse 21, he quotes Joel 2, 32. He says, and it shall come to pass. We're in the last days after the resurrection of Jesus. Watch this. That everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love that Peter didn't just explain what was happening, but he gave the why behind what. He said the reason this is happening is so that you will come to Jesus. The reason they're speaking in tongues is so you will come to Jesus. The reason the wind and the fire and the flames and all these things are happening and the truth that I'm telling you is so you will come to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, in the world we live in, the next round of chaos, the next time you're at home or at work and things are falling apart, you need to not only point people to Scripture, but point them to a devoted life of following Jesus. Because everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what I appreciate about this text. He didn't defend what was happening. He didn't get in an argument about tongues and is this a sign for today or not? Can women really prophesy or not? And he didn't get into any of those arguments. He made it all about Jesus. He said, they're not drunk, it's 9 a.m. This is what God said would happen. Male and female, old and young, it's for all people, and it's for you who are standing here watching this, criticizing it, asking questions about it. It's all for you so that you can call on the name of the Lord so that you can actually be harvested, because it's Pentecost, harvested and saved and brought into the family of God yourself. Here's what he's saying. Everything God's doing with them, he wants to do with you. Peter didn't waste this opportunity. He was best friends with Jesus. He knew how good it would be for them to be close to Jesus. So he didn't hold it up in a holy huddle and go, this is our secret in our church. Hey, let's shut the windows, 120. He goes, no, 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 let's pour this out for everybody else. This is why we give big dollars. This is why we do outreach. This is why we do missions. Why we do everything we do as a church so that more people can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So, y'all get anything out of this text today? Isn't that great? Acts 2, I'm telling you, this is going to be a fun book series. But let me ask you, how are you doing with this? How are you doing with what God's entrusting you with? Can we let God use us like he used Peter? Peter, fisherman, no Bible training, no education in seminary, never been called to preach, ordained as a pastor. But he had the word on the inside of him, and he had a willingness to be used by the Spirit. How are you doing with that? When you see what's happening in the world around us, do you rally with the conspiracies or do you rally with Jesus? And will you point people to him? Will you say, well, the Bible says you don't have to fear. The Bible says racism is a sin. The Bible says those who have been oppressed can, be, can walk in freedom because the spirit of God will set you free. Can you rally with the Lord and rally with God's word? So the, the challenge of the message is what if we would start speaking up for God? Stop speaking up for your favorite presidential candidate. Who cares? They will be gone in four years. Stop speaking up for your favorite conspiracy. Somebody messaged me yesterday. They sent me a link, and then they asked me plainly, what do you think about QAnon? Who cares what I think about that? What do you think about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Oh, uh, let's talk later. Yes, yeah, what I thought. Suck it. Got my face. <laughs> Next time somebody asks you that question, what do you think of Joe Biden? What do you think of Trump? What do you think about uh, CDC? What do you think of Fauci? What do you think about wearing a mask? About wearing a mask? Say, what do you think about your eternal soul and does it belong to Jesus? <laughs> Just give him this glaring look. Actually, don't do that part. <laughs> Just start doing a little bit. <gasps> Fourth service. I'm sorry. I got to go. Can we speak up for God? Stop speaking up for Babylon. <laughs> grieve with those who grieve. Do what the Bible says. Love people. Be forgiving. Can we speak the word? Well, the Bible says. Yeah, the Bible says all these kingdoms will fall. You know, when the election was happening, people were like, but we have to vote. We have to get somebody in there that believes like we do. I go, well, none of them do. None of them believe because none of them are Jesus. And the Bible says some put their horse in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. I don't put my trust in Washington. Are you kidding? That's why I say I want to run it. I want to be president. So finally, I don't have to stress about it. You know what I'm saying? So when we speak up for God, we speak the word of truth. And what if will we lead others to Jesus? Let me pray for you. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is true and still active and living and powerful and sharp and changing lives forever. God, we know that you're with us and for us. And God, we ask in Jesus' name.
that, Lord, this word would penetrate the very depths of who we are today, that we would see Peter as a model for how to speak up, to discard rumors and gossip and craziness. God, that we would see Peter as a model of how to point people to the gospel and how to point people to the scripture and how to point people to Jesus. God, we pray that everyone in our circles would call upon the name of the Lord and find salvation. We pray for mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, family members and coworkers, neighbors, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and find hope in hopeless times. Lord, we commit our ways to you. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. While nobody's looking around and if you're watching online, this is a question I have for you. Have you called on the name of Jesus yet? See, I love that Peter's final message in that little passage was everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Have you called on Jesus? Have you said, Lord, I believe you're God. I believe you died for me and I will live for you. I believe there's no other way to salvation but through you. Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus? And if you haven't, today's the day for that. You don't have to think about it or pray about it. You just got to submit to it. Jesus, God's answer for your prayer, should you serve God, is yes. So if you want God's will, then start with giving your life to Jesus. Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? If you're ready to do that or you need to do that, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand at me so I know I'm praying with somebody at the end of this service. Come on, thank you. Yeah, I see you. I see you guys. Thank you, my man. Anybody else? You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Go all in with the Lord. I want to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. Amen. Amen. Everybody pray this with me. Joining me online, I'm going to say this prayer and I'm going to hand off to our online campus pastor, and I'll close out here in the room. But everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin so that I can live for him for the rest of my life. Say, I am all in with Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. Say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Come into me. Transform me from the, for the rest of my life. I will live for you. I'm all in. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. Come on, to God be the glory. Let's give the Lord praise today. Praise the Lord, life one. I love you so much. Peace out.